How about this? 49 hours until we're watching a football game. Does that get everyone jacked up? 40? We, can, we can go ahead and round down. We can say 48. 48 more hours until we all get to watch a football game. Nah, hey, that, that works for me. I'm good with that. Two more days until the spring game. Uh, I can't wait. Parker can't wait. I know a lot of you out there can't wait either. Parker has uh, asked Joe Washington earlier today if this is going to be the most anticipated spring game ever, to which I immediately said yes. I am uh, curious, though, if the atmosphere is going to reflect it being the most anticipated spring game ever. And no, I don't think it's going to be, you know, we're not, we're not going to walk out of there saying, God, that felt like 08 OU Texas Tech in there. It's a spring game. I mean, you're not going to go nuts after every single touchdown. But is there a chance, Parker, that there's maybe a little bit more buzz in that place than there normally is? Oh, yes, of course. I mean, there's more than a chance. I would, I would fully expect there to be more buzz than there usually is for a spring game uh, in that venue on Saturday. And it, it's going to be different, and people need to expect it to be a little bit different because the reality of an intra-squad scrimmage is that nobody's cranking up the noise, right? Nobody's actively rooting against the other team because Oklahoma is both teams on Saturday. Right. So it'll be a bit, it'll be a bit different vibe, certainly, but – I think buzz is the best way to put it, and I think the buzz will be palpable. So what would garner the loudest ovation or the loudest response from the crowd? A long touchdown pass from Dylan Gabriel? Someone tackling a skill player one-on-one in open space? (laughs) Or a long time since we've seen that. You're right. Or a tightly contested deep ball down the field one-on-one, and a corner makes a great play and just bats the ball away for second and ten. That's not... Kind of complicated, long, long isn't it? Long touchdown pass from Dylan Gabriel. You sure? Yeah. It, it wouldn't be an open field yeah. tackle? Eric Gray's in the open field and Kenai Walker comes up and makes a great tackle in space? The average Sooner fan, just if you took the pulse of the fan base in general, I bet you the vast majority of those fans would say that the player they're most excited to see is Dylan Gabriel. For sure. So, he makes a big play. I feel like that will generate... Uh, the loudest roar and or the largest ovation. But there will be a loud ovation um, if there's tackling involved on, on Saturday and uh, good defensive back play down the field. Also a huge recruiting weekend. If you listen to the show on the reg, you already know that now. Uh, no LT Overton. He's, he's going to Texas A&M. We talked about him for the past couple months, but he's going to Aggie Lane instead. So let's just let's make it as simple as possible, Parker. Who is the most high-profile visitor coming in since the Overtons won't be in town? Mm. That is a good question. Okay, let me clarify this before I say this. I'm going to make a distinction between the player that I think is the highest-profile visitor and the visitor that I am most excited that Oklahoma is getting on campus. I think the highest-profile visitor is Jackson Arnold because I think he's going to be a five-star by the end of the 2023 cycle. I also think his visit is the most meaningful because he's going to be recruiting his peers. Sure. And now, that's what you got to have your quarterback doing these days. Now, yeah, he is a he is a commit. So in yes. terms of that, you feel really good about it, though A&M just thinks that they can swoop in and not take happening. this kid. That's, that's not, not going happening. to happen at, no. at all. A&M offered Jaden Rashada yesterday. That tells you all you need to know. Sure. They're not putting any eggs in the basket of Jackson Arnold. 
which is understandable because Jackson Arnold wouldn't flip even if A&M tossed a couple milli his way. Okay, so I'm fine. I will live with that answer. Um, but you got to give us someone that's uncommitted right now. Okay, on the well, board, the, the, right? and here's where I come to the player that I am most excited for Oklahoma to host on Saturday. It is the man that if I were a Sooner fan, I would want my coaching staff to offer in the class of 2024 at the quarterback position. Michael Hawkins Jr. Wow, look at us going all flashy today with the quarterbacks. No I down know. linemen or this offensive is... linemen. Those aren't sexy enough. we got to go with the QBs. Look, we've talked about Michael Hawkins on this show before. His father, the elder Michael Hawkins, as many of you may recall, played defensive back for the Sooners in 2002, left the program to go pursue a career in arena football, and then ultimately ended up playing several seasons in the NFL as well. Michael Hawkins, Tyler, for those uh, that have not heard this spiel before, is one of two players in the history of Allen High School to start at quarterback for the varsity team as a sophomore. Didn't know you have a pretty good quarterback out of uh, Allen High School? Yeah, the other one turned out to be pretty dang good. Um, His dad didn't smile for any of it, but uh, he he ended up being pretty good. (laughs) No, I'm, I'm stoked that the Sooners are getting Michael Hawkins on campus because For my money, he's going to end up being a top five quarterback in the class of 2024. I love his athleticism. Uh, I think when you combine the tools that he has as far as the ground game with his ever-improving arm strength, velocity, accuracy, he's just such an athlete. And it comes so naturally because his dad played cornerback. Right, so you'd expect, okay, cornerback's kid is going to be a tremendous athlete. But Michael Hawkins can sling the ball too. He is not a Lamar Jackson, who is an elusive athlete at the quarterback Oh, but can't throw? Play. Are you making that declaration today? Is that your hot take oh, for today, that, no, that I, Lamar Jackson I, can't I, throw? I've always been on that train. Man, Lamar Jackson about can't that? throw. Um, but no, my, Michael Hawkins can sling it. Uh, throws a great ball, throws an accurate ball. He's got all the tools that you look for in a quarterback at the next level. So if I am Jeff Lebby, that is the guy that I've got a red eye on in the class of 2024. Your answer, I, I mean, it surprises me. Really? I, I definitely thought that you were going to say uh, Derek LeBlanc or Peyton Kirkland. Uh, not necessarily Caden Green or Jacoby Johnson, but I, I, I guess I, I probably would have guessed Derek LeBlanc. Now, he has a crystal ball to Florida Currently, he is a four-star defensive lineman out of Kissimmee, Florida. Um, is that an OU Florida Miami battle right now? And where does OU kind of stand on what is the biggest weekend for OU and probably his recruitment up to this far, up to this point? Yeah, well, I, the fact that Derek LeBlanc keeps showing up to Oklahoma, regardless of all the buzz for Florida and Miami, it says something that he continues to come all the way out to Oklahoma on his own dime. Yep. Because he lives in the state of Florida. He doesn't have to go that far to go to Miami. Is or, he, I'm is sorry. He, to... Is he driving? Or I guess it doesn't matter. Gas prices are what they are right now. Flight prices? If anyone's tried to purchase a flight here recently, it's like, oh, my God. No way. So, it's, that's yeah, that, that means something. It yeah. means something. Yeah, with as much time as I've spent on the road the last couple of months, yeah, I, f- I feel you on that. <laughs> but uh, no, Derek LeBlanc, with where he's situated in Kissimmee, Florida – he doesn't have to go that far to Gainesville or to Coral Gables. Oklahoma, now that's off the beaten path for a kid like Derek LeBlanc. 
So the fact that he will now be visiting Oklahoma for the third time this spring and intends to come back a fourth time before taking his official visit, that tells you that Oklahoma's in this thing for Derek sure. LeBlanc. A lot more so than a lot of folks down in the Sunshine State would probably like to acknowledge. Now let me get to a question before I get to a statement here, just, just to kind of make sure we're good here. He's not a five-star prospect. He is a four-star prospect on the defensive line, which is really good. And I realize that OU closed on a couple of nice defensive linemen in, in last year's class late. But would you consider Derek LeBlanc to be an elite defensive lineman when it comes to the 2023 class? Is, yes. Is, okay, okay. Yes. It feels to me if they can just get that first elite defensive lineman to, to commit and then later sign in the process – that's really going to get the ball rolling on defensive linemen because they're in on so many guys right now, so many high-profile guys, and they're so close. They were so close on LT Overton recently. I know, Parker, maybe I'm wrong. It feels like if they get that first guy, whether it be Derek LeBlanc or someone else, then we might really see the ball rolling on, on D-line recruits. Yeah, no, make no, make no mistake. Gabriel Brown-Lodindy would have been a game-changer for this program. A guy like David Hicks certainly has the opportunity to be that game changer in the 2023 class. I don't know if Derek LeBlanc is in the same league as David Hicks because, my goodness, David Hicks might be the best player in the 2023 class regardless of position. But getting a guy like Derek LeBlanc, who will be a high four-star at the conclusion of the 2023 cycle, that's going to be massive for this program, and it's going to set the tone for Todd Bates in particular. Todd Bates is going to be able to say, hey – all of what I was doing at Clemson, I am now doing at Oklahoma, and here's the evidence. I'm not making you empty promises. Here's the evidence. Come on along to Norman and let's do this thing. Yeah. Uh, Peyton Kirkland, also from the state of Florida, four-star offensive tackle, uh, will be in town as well. Uh, any any thought? seems like the entire state of Florida is going to be in town this weekend or has been in town at some point throughout this year. Any feelings at all on, on Peyton Kirkland, a guy that we discuss every now and then, but not all not all too much? Yeah, you know, it's funny. With Peyton Kirkland, the discourse has become essentially exactly <laughs> the same as Derek LeBlanc, which is Miami's confident, Florida's confident, OU's confident. Everybody's confident. And when everybody's confident, nobody should be all too confident. Yeah. Now – I like where OU stands with Peyton Kirkland, and that may be bias showing, but again, Tyler, I come back to the fact that when you are in the state of Florida, it does not cost you all that much in terms of time and financial investment to go to Gainesville or to go to Coral Gables. Going to Norman, Oklahoma is a significant investment of money and time. Pay attention to that. Sure. No, I totally agree with that, and... You know, when we look at recruiting rivals for OU, uh, Texas and then A&M are, are one and two, whichever order you want to throw those in. But Alabama looks like, you know, that's going to be an interesting recruiting rivalry moving forward. And I think Florida, especially if Billy Napier does the job in Gainesville that I think he's going to do, because OU's not going to lead the state of Florida with this staff. It, it doesn't matter what Florida or Miami or Florida State or anyone else does. OU's going to be in the Sunshine State. And I think Florida's on the rise with this new coaching staff. I think you're going to see OU and Florida go head-to-head for a lot of kids here in the future. I really do. Uh, and you can say the same with OU and LSU, OU and Alabama. Alabama just offered Mike a tease today. 
But now, now that Oklahoma's making that move to the SEC, these regional battles are going to become even more frequent than they have in years past. Yeah. Hey, let's get to the text line. Lone Scout says 46% chance of afternoon thunderstorms. Are they going to have the rain gear that they have had previously? The forecast is seemingly changing every single day. Is, it sti- is the forecast to still be after the game is over, or where, where is it at now? I don't know. I, I need to hit up my meteorology friends for an answer on that. But, man, I'm just hoping for some sun. Sure. That's kind of going to be, <laughs> no pun intended, a rain cloud on the whole experience if we have overcast weather for the spring game. Ralph from Tulsa says Coach Venables gets the biggest crowd noise. Well, he's not going to like individually run out by himself, at least I'm guessing not, but if he was to do that or if they were to, you know, announce him individually, oh god, that place would go. That place would go nuts. I would guess the biggest uh like crowd ovation of the day is probably towards Baker Mayfield at halftime. Oh, oh 1000%. I'd be pretty surprised 1, if it wasn't. 1000%. Baker Mayfield is the president of this town and this state as a whole. So, Yes, I mean, consider this, Tyler. The loudest that that stadium gets on any given game day is when they run through the Sooners in the NFL presentation on the video board and Baker Mayfield comes up. No doubt, yeah. Chase in Orange County, loudest ovation will be a cornerback playing up towards the line of scrimmage instead of 10 yards off the ball. Ah. I love that. All of the above. Most anticipated was Bob's first spring game. All right, I'll take your word for it, but... There's a lot of people excited for Saturday. And, of course, we get the I won't be excited until they offer Cole Adams. Uh, That's from the Jag from Owasso. Which is Kendall. Exactly. (laughs) All right, keep the text coming. 405-651-3439. Plenty to cover recruiting-wise from this weekend, but a lot on the field that we got to talk about as well. More football, more recruiting on the other side. It's locked in with McComas and Thune on the ref. Locked in with McComas and Thune on the ref. We're inside the Brown O'Haver Studios. Tyler McComas, Parker Thune. And I can't stop laughing at the dad joke that is on the Air Comfort Solutions text line right now. Uh, I laughed about it the first time, Parker, and I felt bad. I read it again, and uh, I laughed again. (laughs) We're talking about the storms on Saturday. The storms rolling in probably heard BV's challenge to show up to the spring game. It's the jet. It's the dad joke of all dad jokes. I don't know why. You're not I'm, even a dad yet, Tyler. I, I'm just. I'm laughing at it, and it's it's hilarious. <sighs> Any news why David Stone won't make it to the spring game? Yeah, on, just had on some, a more serious topic. Yeah, on just that. had some extenuating circumstances. And as I mentioned uh, with Steely during the one o'clock hour, if there's one guy that you're just really not worried about the fact that he's not showing up to Oklahoma's spring game, it's David Stone, because you know where he's at. He's all OU. Yeah, actually, and he falls into the category of one of those guys on the defensive line that if they can just get one of those dudes, the ball will start rolling. I, You hate to take or count anything as a certainty in recruiting. I mean, that's, that's kind of a mistake to do for an uncommitted guy. But at the same time, you feel pretty good about where David Stone's at. All indications are that, yeah, I mean, Miami, they're – trying to get in on this situation, all that, and, and, and going to IMG Academy, I guess some things could happen, but, dude, he, he, he still really seems like he's all OU at this point. He is, and I know he's visiting elsewhere right now, and I know there are some folks that are concerned with that, but for people that really know David Stone's recruitment, they know what this is about. 
They know it's just due diligence, and they know it's just more about the process than anything else. Uh, one more. Any chance Jackson Arnold brings Peyton Bowen, or is it the latter at Notre Dame this weekend? The plan is for him to be at Notre Dame. I know Jackson Arnold's kind of working the angles there. We'll see. I like As I've said all along, whether or not Peyton Bowen shows up to the spring game, expect him to be back at OU soon. And whether or not he shows up to the spring game, I do ultimately expect that he'll be a member of Oklahoma's class. Uh, as of right now, I would not hold out hope that he shows up to Norman on Saturday, but I'm also not saying it's an impossibility. I, if if I had to put money down, I would say he's up in South Bend. Okay, so let, let's just make sure we're, we're good here before we move on. Okay. Uh, 0.5 is still our official over-under for commits this weekend, correct? Sure. That's that's still the right over under. Gotcha. Okay. No, I'm I'm just I'm asking to make sure that that's that that's it. Or like this is the it's Thursday. All right. The official line that we're setting is zero point five. Right. Correct. You good with it? I'm cool with that. All right. Yeah. I'll still take the over. It's it's more of a hope than anything. You got Caden Green coming in, four star offensive lineman. He's been in Norman a ton. He'll be back this weekend. Dylan Edwards, uh, three star running back out of Kansas. We talk about him a lot. He'll be in town. Jacoby Johnson, who I saw he was at Alabama recently, of course. Four-star prospect out of Mustang, Oklahoma. So um, I don't know if any of those guys are on the verge of committing Parker, but I'll, I'll still take the over on uh, 0.5. As will I. I don't know exactly who it'll be, but I feel confident that this is going to be a big enough weekend and a momentous enough weekend at Oklahoma that they get at least one commit. Now, you've heard of the way-too-early top 25. You've even heard of the pre-spring way-too-early top 25. But now, we've got our updated way-too-early top 25 rankings. This is like the third or fourth revision oh to the way-too-early top 25 at what, rankings At what point is it no longer way-too-early? Uh. I don't know. We're basically through spring ball. I mean, most teams are through and, and done with spring ball at this point. So, I don't know. It's just an excuse to put out another crap ranking, I guess. <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, but but here's ESPN's updated, way too early, top 25 ranking. Alabama is at number one. All right. Ohio State is at number two. Doesn't sound dumb yet. Georgia at number three. Utah at number four. A&M at number five, Notre Dame at six, you've got North Carolina State at seven, Michigan State at eight, Michigan at nine, and Oklahoma State at ten. Okay, hang on, hang on, hang on. on. Run me through that again. Uh, I I, I need to make sure I heard all that correctly. OSU at ten, Michigan at nine, Michigan State at eight, North Carolina State at seven, Notre Dame at six. A&M at five, Utah at four. Then, of course, you got Bama one, Ohio State two, Georgia three. Utah, okay, Utah at four, I don't have a ton of hate for. I think they're overranked. I don't think they're terribly overranked. How do you have A&M at five? That is my question. Um, When they have a massive hole at quarterback and lose seven starters off last year's defense, I'm not, I'm not really all that sure. Like, y- you're... You're basically hitching your wagons to Max Johnson, who wasn't any good at LSU last year? That's who you think is going to be your dude this year and have you be a top-five team? Look, North Carolina State in there at the top ten is ridiculous. A&M being that high at number five is asinine. 
with what I know about their quarterback play and what they're most likely going to have this year. And did you say Oklahoma State at 10? Oklahoma State at 10, yes. Uh, yeah, okay, pencil me down. Pencil this down right now. By the way, we need to have like a big board of uh, takes that need to be bookmarked. We should just we, we really should just have a billboard in here where we pin all of our takes that we need to revisit later in the year. I do not believe Oklahoma State will be a top 25 team. Uh, I might be able to get, I, I think they're, they got a chance to be a fringe top 25 team. I, I, I think if we, I, I think I could get there with you, but I could see them having Parker an eight and four season and maybe winning a bowl game and ending up in that final top 25 poll at the end of the season. USC was at 12, by the way, <laughs> LOL. Uh, caps, all caps, Please. LOL on that one. Uh, OU was at 14 on the list. Uh, Oregon was at 16. And I don't understand why people continue to just disrespect Baylor. I understand they lost some players from last year's team and some good players from last year's team, but they, they've got a nice system set up. Baylor was all the way back at 18. So what I did... Instead of clowning ESPN's way too early top 25 polls, because all it is is set up for hot takes. That's uh, all it of is. Course. That's all it is. Of course. It's not an accurate feel as to what they really think the top 10 is going to look like. I did a top 10 instead. Oh, okay. No hot takes included. The McComas version. This is the only preseason poll out there where there's no hot takes and it's actually what I think the top 10 is going to look like so no crap USC ranked rate too high just to stir everyone up not Oklahoma back at 24 so OU fans get mad on Twitter no this is actually how I see it for this year we go let's hear it Alabama at number one agree we go Ohio State at number two yep uh Georgia at three no issue I'll put Clemson at four Mm, okay. I'll Oklahoma is at five, just outside the top four. Utah at six, Notre Dame at seven, Baylor at eight, Michigan State at nine, Oregon at ten. No hot takes. It may be a bad ranking, and that's fine, but it's honestly actually what I feel like the top ten should look like. I think it's pretty accurate. I would swap Notre Dame and Clemson. That is probably the one. Okay, revision, that's fine. The one significant sure. revision. Uh, I, 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 I'm okay with that. Um, really, outside of Bama, Ohio State, and Georgia at one, two, three, it, it got pretty tough. I, I knew I wanted OU to be in the top eight preseason, and that's the thing with expectations this year, man. Is Bama is a lock at one. Ohio State's a lock at two. Is Georgia a lock at three? Not so much, but you feel like they're going to be a pretty good football team again. Like, I won't listen to anyone that just throws it in our face over here and say, OU has no chance to make the college football playoff. Because you have to throw out six, seven, eight teams, Parker, that are definitively better than OU right now. And OU's got a long ways to go, I realize that. But there's not a whole lot of teams that you can sit there with a straight face and say, these teams are 100% without a doubt better than OU. Well, you really have to isolate it to the four Power Five conferences that aren't the SEC. Right, because the SEC at most is going to get two teams in. Two teams. So you got two spots that are at large there. What other programs across the Big Ten, ACC, Pac-12, and Big 12 you feel, feel more confident about heading into 2022 than Oklahoma? Ohio State? Absolutely. I don't think there's any argument there. Beyond that... I don't know. You can make a case for Notre Dame, certainly. You can make a case for Oregon. 
You can make a case for a program like Clemson or even North Carolina State if you really wanted to. But I don't think anybody's a slam dunk beyond Ohio State. No, and Clemson and Notre Dame play each other, so I don't know if that game is going to necessarily cancel one of those teams out. But, you know, with two-loss Notre Dame not playing in a conference championship game, I mean, that's going to be really tough for them. So it may come down, and that's if, man, that's if Georgia is a one-loss team and they take care of business. I mean, it's fair to assume that Georgia – might have a championship hangover, might take a little bit of a step back. They'll be back at some point, but at least a step back this year with all the defensive talent that they lost. No, I agree with you. Championship so, hangovers happen more frequently than anyone would care to admit I because can, Alabama has kind of jaded, jaded us all. Like, OU is not a slam dunk to make the college football no, no, playoff. No, no, no. I understand no. that, but they are 100% in the mix. They are definitely in the mix. Um, I feel better about OU's chances than I would a Pac-12 champ. Just because this, Parker, I, I think all three of those Pac-12 teams have a pretty good chance of losing a game in the non-conference. Utah plays at Florida in week one. That's going to be a really tough game for Utah right out of the chute. Oregon plays Georgia. Oregon's going to be massive dogs uh, against uh, Georgia in yes, week one will. in the Georgia Dome. And, of course, USC plays Notre Dame. I think Marcus Freeman's going to go out to L.A. at the end of the year and win that game. So, uh, they're... They're in the discussion. They're in the discussion. I, I mean, I have them at number five in my way too early, non-biased, non-hot takes, top ten <laughs> preseason poll. Uh, yeah, non-conference, at least there are no stumbling blocks, at least no ostensible stumbling blocks for Oklahoma there. Say what you will about Nebraska, I, I don't think Oklahoma gets seriously threatened in that game. I do think they may have a bit of a, uh, well, you can't really call it a culture shock, but they may struggle to get going early just based on the fact that it'll be the first road game of the year and in what promises to be a raucous environment in Lincoln. But I do think Oklahoma will get it together by the second half and be able to win that game comfortably. Yeah, but I'm with you. A&M at five? Uh, high expectations at Texas A&M? When has that ever gone terribly wrong? <laughs> it seems like just about every single year they have super high expectations. It goes terribly wrong. And did they get better last year to this year? Um, I'm I, yet to be seen. That's why I think it's totally premature to, yeah, to I, put them as a top five. My, squad. my answer would be no. I don't think they got better last year to this year. So I don't understand why the expectation is that they're going to be a top five program in the country. Yeah, uh, neither do I. But we'll get to more of your text on the other side on the Air Coverage Solutions text line 405-651-3439. It is locked in with McComas and Thune. We're the homeless Sooner fans. It's the ref. Elite Roofing Systems, bringing you this hour of Locked In with McComas and Thune. Elite Roofing Systems, serving all of Oklahoma's roofing needs. Let Craig Cox and the team at Elite Roofing put over three decades of experience to work for you. Give them a call today, 405-361-3094 in Oklahoma City, Tulsa, 918-984-5475, EliteRoofing.com, Elite Roofing Systems, bringing you this hour of Locked In. That was a great interview uh, you guys had on at Steel Man and Thune at noon uh, with uh, former OU running back uh, Joe Washington. You asked him which running back that came after him most resembled him, and he said DeMarco Murray. What you, did you think of that? Did you agree with that response? I feel like that's the response every Sooner fan wanted to hear because that's the dude that is training the next generation of running backs in Norman, Oklahoma right now. 
Yeah, not only in terms of you know the moves they had, open field, the speed, the ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. I believe Joe played special teams um, as a as a returner, and Demarco did the same thing. Yes. And we all remember that, unfortunately. Because DeMarco Murray got hurt in that 2008 Big 12 championship game against Missouri and wasn't able to play in the natty against uh, Florida that year. But I don't – I mean, it's a it's a slam dunk, man. I DeMarco was really kind of the new era of, of Joe Washington. And, and some people will say, well, easy there. Joe Washington was better than DeMarco Murray. That, that may be true. I'm just saying he's the closest thing that we've seen that's resembled little Joe. So I, I – I, I trust that he would know, and he was he was dead on accurate on uh, on who he compared himself yeah, well, to. Yeah, well, look, we'll never see another Joe Washington or another DeMarco Murray, for that matter, in Norman, Oklahoma, because the harsh reality is these days you're not having a bell cow running back return kicks and punts. Well, that's until Dylan Edwards gets on campus. Oh, okay. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, text line, Air Coverage Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. This one says, my way too early, top 10. Bama, Ohio State, Georgia, Oregon at four, wow, OU at five, Michigan at six, Notre Dame at seven, Utah at eight, A&M at nine, Cincinnati at ten. You good with that? I am, like, I like that. Oregon at four, I, I have less of an issue with them at four than I do with them outside the top ten because Oregon's the type of team that – I would rather overrank than underrank. People forget that was a pretty dang good team last sure. season. And were they were one loss team going to the Pac twelve championship game? Is that right? They were like be- number two so. or number yeah, three. Yeah, they were number two in the nation at yeah. one point. And unfortunately, the the reason why people don't remember it is because they lost a bunch of players to draft opt outs in the transfer portal. Uh, and they lost their head coach, Mario Cristobal, to Miami before bowl season, and so they ended up getting ignominiously shellacked in the Alamo Bowl by Oklahoma. So that's the reason why Oregon's outstanding 2021 season is lost on many folks. They're going to be really good, and they're going to be formidable in 2022. I I will be most interested to see who their starting quarterback is. You don't think it's going to be Bo Nix? Here's the thing. Everybody thinks it's going to be Bo Nix. I think Ty Thompson could present some interesting competition. Well, that's probably best case scenario for them because their ceiling could be limited if Bo Nix is the the starting quarterback. Maybe, but if that's what you're talking about, maybe the ceiling is higher. Maybe they could make a playoff as early as this year. I love that Dan Landing hire for Oregon. It's I, a I, fantastic hire. No, outside of OU, of course, no college football program have I changed my mind on more in the past three months than Oregon in 2022 now I think they'll get beat by Georgia in week one but I think they're going to turn out a pretty good team this year and I think he's going to make a playoff in his first three years and I'm really close Parker to saying that he's going to make it happen in the first two years out of Eugene I think there's a very good chance that Oregon will push for a college football playoff berth this year and that is not the norm under a first year head coach really the only guys that have done it in the CFP era are Muleshoe and Ryan Day. Yep. And so it is not often that a first-year head coach has his team in legitimate position late in the season to go to the college football playoff. And obviously, once you get to the last few weeks of the season, a lot can change. 
and a lot goes up in the air. Particularly in the Pac-12, we have seen that league cannibalize itself down the stretch so many times in years past. So I'm not going to sit here and say, yeah, Oregon's going to make the college football playoff. But I think they'll be in the mix into November. Yeah, when Muleshoe ran off to the Pac-12, you know, initially there was at least a thought of, well, the Pac-12 does suck. He's going to be able to go out there and win a lot of games. The competition's not good. It may not be getting any better anytime soon. Look, Mario Cristobal just left Oregon. This is like worst-case scenario since he's left to go to USC, man. Not only is Utah going to be good this year, and we'll see how consistent Utah stays throughout the next three years. Oregon's coming, guys. Oregon's coming. And that is worst-case scenario for a program like USC. Not only is Oregon coming, but they are doing it the exact way that I think is going to be a kryptonite for a program that's run by Muleshoe. This is, that is not a great development for USC, what's happened in USC. Well, like, here's, here's the thing, Tyler. When you use the term kryptonite, the implication there is that USC is Superman. But the reality is Oregon is already Superman in the yeah. Pac-12. Yeah. So – Dan Lanning has more money than Superman. Yeah, Dan Lanning has the upper hand already. All he has to do is keep Mule Shoe down and keep him at arm's length, and that's not going to be hard for him to do. I yeah I (laughs) text line is saying I'll be the biggest Duck fan when they play USC. I'll be the biggest Notre Dame fan. I'll be the biggest UCLA fan. I'll be the biggest Oregon State fan in like week four or week five whenever they play Corvallis this year. What about the biggest Rice fan? I'll be a pretty big Rice fan okay, in week okay. one. Yeah, no, I, I I will be a huge Rice fan in week one. My gal and I will be there on Saturday. OU is the talk of the town. It's been the major subject here since Venable was hired. See y'all Saturday, Pete and Ada. Pete, uh, this goes for you. This goes for everyone else. If you're going to be in town on Saturday, please, please, please come by our uh, pregame remote at Balfour of Norman on Campus Corner, 11.30 to 1.30, and then we'll be at Yo Pablo on Campus Corner from 5 to 7. And I think, I think, going to have some uh, Baker Mayfield T-shirts to maybe give away at the postgame remote. Maybe, just maybe. I, I think Is that it going to have the silhouette of him planting the flag? Uh no, but Dang it. but there's going to be a reference to him planting the flag on one of the shirts. Oh okay, I, at least I, I think I, I can roll with that. You good with that? Yeah. Oregon has the full backing of Nike on name, image, and likeness. Yeah, I, that's one. That's one thing about NIL that we talked about in the beginning, and we knew it was going to be a big deal. But they have a coach now. And a coaching staff, they are pushing the envelope, though, on that Nike money when it comes to NIL, dude. this They know how to use it. A, a lot is riding on this Dan Lanning hire. Because I have said on this program before, I think the only school from outside the new SEC that has a chance to win a national championship within the next decade is Notre Dame. But over the last few weeks, I've become increasingly aware of the fact that if Dan Lanning proves to be all that – as a coach, Pac-12 or no Pac-12, Oregon could be a scary team within a few years. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Uh, text line, why is everyone so high on Clemson? Didn't they lose a bunch of coaching staff and questionable on both sides of the ball? I don't know if I would say that they're questionable on defense. They still ended up having a a, a pretty good defense last year. They weren't the elite crew that you know they had in the 16 and 18 championship years, but it's more about they play in the ACC and – 
Who's going to be good in the ACC this so, year? So much rides on the shoulders of DJ Uyunglele. And not to say I disagree with you, listener, who submitted that thought on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, but here's what I will say. Folks in Clemson circles could probably say the exact same thing about Oklahoma right now. So having turnover on your coaching staff and losing key contributors to the NFL draft and the transfer portal, that's not necessarily an indication that you're going to take a step back. And Clemson took a step back last year. That might have been the worst of the storm. But so much is contingent upon whether DJ Uyunglele <laughs> takes a step up from where he was last year because he was the one that held that team back. Yeah, yeah. offensive line didn't help him out. Offensive line could be an issue again this year for Clemson. And isn't that interesting? Because that was the biggest setback of a year for Clemson since when, Parker? Um, I, I, it's been a long since time. Since the Russell Athletic Bowl year. I mean, seriously. <laughs> may, it, but they even thought that that year, I think they lost two games that year maybe. Um, there was at least some optimism because they knew what they had coming back. The point is, is that when you're a coordinator, you're at your hottest when your team you know, makes it to the college football playoff or you win a national championship. Like, Brent Venables got his big break. Brent Venables got his dream job. Brent Venables, Parker, got a blue blood job after the worst year Clemson has had in close to a decade. Like, that's a very unique situation. Yeah, and the worst year Clemson has had in close to a decade was nine wins in the regular season. Right, exactly. Yeah, but it's (laughs) just— Which tells you how high the standards are out there. Timing was just right, man. Uh, he said it in an article today on The Athletic, which was really awesome, but the timing was just uh, was right for him. Just kind of kind of incredible. All right, one final segment of Locked In coming up next. You guys are flooding the text line. We love it. Keep it coming. We'll get to more of them on the other side. 405-651-3439. We'll close up Locked In next. All right, final segment of Locked In with McComas and Thune. Tyler McComas, Parker Thune inside the Brown O'Haver Studios. Uh, one quick text, if Clemson doesn't stumble last year, would we still be able to have hired Brent Venables as easy as we did? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, Clemson wins the national championship. Maybe you have to pay him a little bit more, but this is the job that he always wanted, and there wasn't another job that was open out there that was comparable to this one. And even if there was, I, I don't know, man, I, I still feel like he would have picked OU in the end. So 9-3 and three or 15-0, and 0, whatever, he – Brent Venable still would have ended up at OU. I adamantly believe that. Yeah, I mean, what 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 did he say on the podcast the other day with Joe Harris? He said he was wondering when when are y'all gonna offer me this job? That's what he he was thinking during the uh, the coaching search week. Why was it taking so long to get done? And it was no secret that as soon as that vacancy came open, Brent Venables wanted it. If he didn't get it, it wasn't going to be because he turned it down. Yeah. Hey, let's do this before we get out of here today. Like, who's the buzz on? Um, okay. We, we, we've done this a couple times throughout spring, but we need to do a more updated version on it. Okay. Because, I guess, Kanai Walker, the Louisville transfer, is getting a whole lot of run right now in uh, availability circles with the media. Yeah, so Kanai Walker has been really, really good in practice sessions. And I think he's going to be in the conversation to start opposite Woody Washington. Another guy that people forget about that has been outstanding thus far this spring is one Jaden Davis. Yeah, nah, yeah, nice. Just seems like he has consistently taken step down after step down from that outstanding freshman season in 2019, but there were very few defenders that were happier to see Brent Venables arrive on the scene in Norman 
than Jaden Davis because he probably would be playing elsewhere right now if that hire had been anybody but Brent Venables. Jordan Kelly still sounding like he's having a great spring, all the defensive line. Um, a, a couple of guys that maybe, I don't want to say that you take for granted, but you may find yourself talking about their backups more than them. Eric Gray's having a fantastic spring. Yep. Uh, just in terms of leadership, like everything that he's providing for the squad right now. We talk a lot about Javante Barnes, and rightfully so. But Eric Gray is is making huge strides, too. And, and one that's been consistent, man, is, is Braden Willis. Uh, he's just... You want to talk about a guy that is poised for a massive year, a real breakout season, I think immediately of him at the tight end spot. I really think Braden Willis is going to have an excellent year. And another one of those veterans that, again, people kind of forget about, I think is poised for his biggest year as a Sooner is Justin Royals. He's been really impressive. And his leadership as well, his leadership and maturity have really helped him stand out. Yeah, in terms of because uh, some people want to hear the other side of it, like, oh, okay, well, who are the guys or who are the position groups that are not playing or haven't surprised? All yeah, that who much who right sucks? Now? Tell us who sucks. Um, it's not that hard to figure out who sucks. Has I have I heard right that kicker has been a little bit of a struggle yeah, thus far? <laughs> yeah, it's it's a little rocky right now. The kicker position, and with as windy and rainy as it's looking like it's going to be on Saturday, I'll just go for two every oh, time. Oh boy. Yeah, that could get ugly. Might as well just go for uh, two every every single time there. Yeah, uh, we'll talk more about this big recruiting weekend that is looming on Saturday because that is a major part of the spring game weekend along with the Baker Mayfield festivities. All right, that'll do it for Locked In. The Rush coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref. We're the home of the Sooner fans.